Today on episode 11 of the Be A Marketer podcast, you'll hear from an empresario that knows how to stay in his lane. And I'm sharing why decision-making shortcuts can keep you from getting bogged down by analysis paralysis. This is the Be A Marketer podcast. My name is Dave Charest, Director of Small Business Success at Constant Contact, and I've been helping small business owners like you make sense of online marketing for over 16 years. You can be a marketer, and I'm here to help. Well, hello, friend, and welcome to another episode of the Be a Marketer podcast. As always, grateful to have your attention here today. So there was a point in time when both my wife and I were very much into playing Texas Hold'em poker. And with most things that capture my attention, I I got really obsessed with learning everything I could about playing the game. And one of the things that most people don't really realize is that poker is really about making the right decisions over a lifetime of playing the game, rather than just getting lucky on one hand. And when you're first learning the game, You're really trying to put yourself in situations where you're not going to make too many mistakes. In order to do that, you have to make the decision-making process easier for yourself. And that means you're only going to play starting hands that have a high probability of winning, and you just fold everything else. And then to simplify the process even more, if you're playing in a tournament, for example, and you have one of those premium hands and the circumstances are correct, you would just move all in, which means you just bet all of your chips. And now, really, you have no more decisions to make, right? All of your chips are on the table and there aren't opportunities for you to make a mistake later in the hand. And so all of the pressure now is on the other players to decide if they want to continue with the hand. And if they do continue, The odds are likely in your favor because you started with a strong hand. Now, as I mentioned, you're making the decision-making process easier because based on your circumstances, you know exactly what to do. And I think there's something to be learned here in a business sense as well, whether it's just running your business and making those everyday decisions or marketing your business and deciding what to do there. Now, as I'm sure you know, you have to make a ton of decisions every day. Right. Some are more important than others, of course, but they're all meaningful in some way. And sometimes having to make those decisions can feel like a burden. And it's a burden that ends up stalling the forward momentum of your business. And so sometimes the best thing you can do is create these shortcuts that allow you to make decisions quickly while also giving you a higher probability that they're going to be good decisions which means then you're constantly moving your business forward without getting bogged down. Now, I'll give you an example here. Uh, At a certain point in my career, I was in charge of uh, managing the Constant Contact blog. And as you might imagine, we were always, people would always reach out wondering if they could guest post on our blog. And so, you know, we would get a lot of these uh, inquiries coming in. And in order to simplify that process for myself as to whether or not I should move forward and and take that next step with somebody is I would ask myself three questions. One is the thing that they want to talk about. Is it an area of expertise that just benefits our audience, right? If it's not related to our audience at all, there's no need to have somebody guest post on it. Is it something that we don't already cover with our in-house subject matter experts? Is it going to add something to the things that we're already saying? And then lastly, 
does it offer a practitioner's point of view on that particular subject? And so we don't want just the surface level of somebody guest posting. We want somebody that can go deep into a subject and offer something of value to our audience. And so that's how you know I and we would shortcut that decision-making process. And similarly, you know, you want to make it easier on yourself to say yes or no, and then move on. Now, of course, you're not always going to be right, but you're going to be right more than you're not, and you're going to be moving forward. And I'm excited to introduce today's guest to you because, you know, he has a process that he uses to know whether or not he should book an act as a concert promoter. And this process really allows him to have more wins than losses. Well, friend, allow me to introduce you to today's guest. Tom Augustino is a concert producer and promoter that's been celebrating his 20th year bringing quality folk acts to the Prescott, Arizona area. Now, when Tom first moved to Prescott from L.A., he wasn't really expecting to continue in the music business. In fact, he had shifted his focus to his graphic design and marketing services for organizations in the local area. But when he got the opportunity to host the stage at a local folk fest, a new opportunity started to come Tom's way. First, he was offered a live radio show at a fledgling radio station that was broadcast throughout central and northern Arizona. Well, that's when the calls started coming in from musicians passing through town looking to pick up gigs. Well, this led Tom to start a successful concert series that's been going strong for over 20 years. Well, that's pretty darn cool. I asked Tom if he ever had any doubts about getting started in this business. So let's pick up the conversation there. Well, you know, it's, it happened so organically. You know, the radio station was a gift. You know, did, hey, you want a radio show? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love to talk, so that's no problem for me. I can talk forever. Um, I love music. I'm a music buff, especially in the folk and Americana music. I lived in New York, so the whole Greenwich Village scene was something I knew. And um, just having a radio, the concerts just kind of came from having a radio show. People would contact me. And, and what I say to people is that I ran a circus. And once you do a circus and once you deal with clowns, you can deal with anything. So putting on concerts <laughs> is like, it's like really not a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. There's a cakewalk at that point. <laughs> yeah. Musicians are not, are a little different than clowns, but. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Where's the love of music come from? I'm an Italian. I'm an Italian from Brooklyn. All right. What do you need to say than that? My wife is Italian and born and raised in Brooklyn as well. She was. Uh, she grew up in Sheepshead Bay. Whereabouts in Brooklyn were you? Ah, Bensonhurst. BE2 is my phone number. <laughs> well, all right. And, um, you know, <laughs> music was just always in our house. Sinatra, you know, and all of those great Italian singers. And I always sang. I just always sang. Yeah, we were just spinning a Sinatra record a couple of weekends ago, actually. Oh, nice. I was like, yes, this is so good. Well, you know, as you were kind of growing up in this really, right? It seems like you've been doing this, you know, like I said, for a long time. And did you have any mentors along the way? Did you have anybody kind of showing you the ropes or you just figuring it out on your own? Well, pretty much on my own, you know, but when I moved to Los Angeles and when it kind of got a little bit more serious, you know, in terms of the events I was being involved in a little bigger, I joined a thing called the Music Industry Network, which was started by a, a, a guy named Mike, I can't think of his last name now, but he had a a magazine called Music Connection that was a Hollywood music magazine. That was the Insiders magazine. And he started this group called Music Industry Connection where a bunch of us went and we kind of learned a business. You know, we, it was one of those kind of things. Every time we get together, somebody, and, and this is L.A., right? So A&R people would come in and learn the business. And through that, I made a, some really good connections and got involved in some bigger 
shows than I had been doing at that time. L.A., you know, again, was involved in a lot of big shows. And then I became a partner with a person who, uh, he married somebody from the, who was um, involved with the Chinese government. And we got access to all these Chinese things, you know, like doing a Rod Stewart. We did a Rod Stewart concert in China. I took him to China. And then we toured that big Chinese troupe here. And after I did that, you know, again, this is 150, 120-member Chinese troupe. And just a little side story, we just incredible tour and it was really difficult because none of them spoke English, of course. And they were had the, the party guys with them. It was kind of serious stuff. <laughs> and But we all became friends through a big national tour, of course. And the day the tour ended, we were having a rap party in LA was the day Tiananmen Square happened. Oh, And so all these 120 members of the troop had to fly out that night back to China. And they were seeing this thing on the TV because they can see it here. We are having a... That was probably the most emotional time of doing this, where several of them asked if they could stay, if we can kind of, and we couldn't. I mean, you know, I was pretty intense. Yeah. When you look back at, you know, over the years and, and the things you have going on, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had? Selling tickets is always a challenge, you know. This is a marketing base. Marketing, if you're marketing a product, you kind of send out there and hope people shop and everything. Selling tickets is really instantaneous. You put something out, you know, within hours, whether you get a response, whether you sell tickets or you don't, you know, and it's like instantaneous reflection. So as I was learning the business, learning what music people wanted to hear and wanted to see was the biggest thing. So I hear a group I liked, but I realized that either my audience wasn't that interested in them or they didn't have the steps they needed to have taken to allow me to present them in the best light. Because the kind of music I do, which is folk and Americana, you don't turn on the radio and hear it a lot of it. You know, it's not, you know, it's that kind of music. So basically what I've had to do is educate my audience okay. to this kind of music and get them to trust that if I'm bringing somebody to town, they're good. Yeah, That's basically all you need to know. I'm bringing them so they're good. And so I had to earn that, you know, I had to earn that respect, you know, and I, so I Fortunately, I haven't done many bad shows. <laughs> I did several, you know, and every time you do a bad show, you go, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one, you know. How do you find people? They find me. Yeah. You know, I answer the phone and I look at my emails. And because of where we are, you know, Prescott is kind of central Arizona, about an hour and a half north of Phoenix and an hour south of Flag, which is the two biggest Flagstaff, and Tucson's got about four hours south. So when groups are traveling, this is what I have learned. They're traveling from Texas, which is a big folk, coming through. There's not that many places to play in Colorado. There's nowhere to play in New Mexico. <laughs> and they're coming through Arizona and they're going to either Vegas or California. They need to pick up gigs. Otherwise, they're paying, you know, hotel rooms and bus and feeding their, themselves. So I've become a place where they, in fact, just earlier today, I booked this incredible, incredible female artist from Nashville. She's in L.A., doing like five gigs, then she has to travel. So she has to come through Prescott. So I'm able to get these really good artists. And oftentimes I'm able to get them on it at a deal because basically they're trying to pick up a date. So they're not having to pay out of their own pocket. So if they can get a, a ho nice hotel room, I put people up in really nice places. I feed them really good. My venues are, are <laughs> gorgeous. You know, they walk into the venues and they go, this is better than the bar I played in two nights ago. Sure, yeah. You know, and so I have a, a three-step process I go through, because a lot of these folks I've never heard of before, because I've never heard of them. One, they have to have great photos. I mean, okay. I have to see their photo and I go, yeah. Two, they have to have a quote, 
from something other than your local hometown paper. They have to have a Rolling Stone quote, a Folk Alley quote, a New York Times quote, a quote that's significant. And they have to have a video that I can watch and in 20 seconds say I'm going to see them. If it's longer than 20 seconds, I'm done. So I love that, right? Because I'm a big believer in, right? Life is all about decisions, life, business, whatever it is. And you have to, you're constantly making like decisions. And I think the more you can simplify the process of making a decision and, you know, hopefully like it sounds like you've got a good thing that like helps you make the right decision or the better decisions more often than not. Right. It's like, yeah, hopefully <laughs> that system is amazing. I love that. That's so cool. Um, when you think about all you've kind of accomplished in this area, you know, like, how does that make you feel? You know, it's funny you say that because it's 20 years. So I'm doing all my 20 year stuff and um, I'm all of a sudden getting a lot of feedback from people you know, just acknowledging what I've done, acknowledge, saying nice things about me. And uh, it's cool. It's really nice. It's kind of humbling. You know, it's fun, you know, because basically I'm just putting on music. I'm not, you know, feeding the poor or anything like that. You're feeding the soul, though. Come on. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> very much. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's really nice. You know, there's, you know, in Arizona is a kind of nice folk community. All the Phoenix folkies in Tucson has a huge folk scene. In fact, a big folk fest has come up. And so I know all these folks now and I'm getting nice things said about me. And and next week we're having our 20th anniversary concert. Okay. There's going to be a lot of hoopla involved with that. I was going to say, is there a, a bunch of artists coming for that? Like, what does that look like? Well, not too many. Yet, last year I did too many artists. None of us got to play much. So it's a little <laughs> smaller this time. So we get all get to play a little bit. But yeah, I have a really incredible musician from Nashville. In fact, he's Steve Earle's brother-in-law, Mark Stewart, okay. is coming to kind of headline it. And I invited a few local friends to come on stage and with that and join us. And Nice. What do you love most about what you do? Two parts of it. It's, I love booking an artist that's really, really cool. And I know people are going to, that once I put that out, that this person's coming to town, people are going to go, whoa, I really like that moment. You know, then the work comes having to sell tickets. But when I get their stuff and I like them and I reach out to whoever the agent or them, whoever I'm dealing with, and we agree and bah, it's on and I make the show live. That's really cool. Or everything else in between is a work. <laughs> the second part I like is I like sitting in the theater. I sit way in the back or behind the stage, depending on the theater. And I like feeling the audience get what I got. I like it when they hear the first chords. Or like when I did Tom Chapin last week, he's so incredible. He does his first song. With, and everybody in the audience is his friend from that moment on. For me, it's tangible. I feel it. And I know it hit. And that's even better than getting the check at the end of the show, you know, is knowing that what I did mattered to all those folks that are there and they're, they're experiencing something. And then at the end, when they come out, ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you mentioned obviously the work part of it, right? And I, th I think that's obviously this is an important part of it and, and getting that paycheck at the end. Like, is it just you? Like, do you have anybody else that like works with you or? No, you know. So many of the kind of things that I do, people create nonprofits to do it, nonprofit music. But I never did that because I don't want to have anybody else ever tell me what to do. Interesting. Yeah. It's always just been me. I have a couple of friends who help me with shows. I have a, one friend who's my concierge. Seats everybody's really great at setting the room up and making everybody comfortable. I have a sound, my sound guy, you know, and I have my volunteers who sell the tickets and the raffle stuff, but it's hundred percent my decision. You know, I have a couple of companies that I work with, they'll book the artist, 
and I'll sell the tickets for them. Mm -hmm. Then they get the headache, they get the sleepless night. And I like that because I just get to do what I do good is selling tickets. Yeah. But for my shows, no, it's just 100% me. Selling tickets, obviously, you know, that is one of the things you enjoy doing. It's things I've heard you say multiple times that you're good at. I'm assuming then that's one of your strengths, right? Like, what does that entail, though? What do you have to do to sell these tickets? Well, these days, you know, and it changes so often, you know, just over the 20 years I've done the folk sessions, the ticket business has so changed because the amount of ways you reach people is so diverse now. It used to be really simple, you know, radio, newspaper, and then, but now it's like this, it has to be multi platform. But what I have found, and this, I think you would almost agree, the best audience I have are the people I know who already know what I'm doing, already are in communication with me. I've already joined my mailing list. Once you come to one of my show, you're mine. <laughs> you're in my <laughs> mailing list. I send things to you and I send things, unless you opt out, you're getting it. And I find, you know, that's my number one audience because they already know what I do is good. They tell their friends, oh, this show's really good. And they spread it that way. You know, every once in a while I'll take out an ad because we have a local paper and, I, and they support me incredible. I mean, that the support I get locally from the news, the radio and the newspapers and our magazines is really nice. Partly one, I bring in really good artists, so it makes the town look better. And two, I'm a really nice guy and they like me. <laughs> <laughs> but I know them all and they're friends, you know, and, and I get really good local coverage. I get good press. I get good free PR. But I'll take out an ad and everyone so that give me a good idea or if I have a show that it's a little bit bigger, I have to sell more tickets than normally. But even when I do it, I always go, that's almost like a contribution to their cause. Sure. Because I find mostly I sell people by sending out e-blasts and sending out, putting fate, you know, through my networks that I already control is truly how I sell most of my tickets. Yeah, I love it. So obviously I was going to ask you about community and obviously that sounds like a huge uh, portion of what allows you to do what you do. Are you setting goals for yourself each year? Like, I want to do this amount of shows or like, what's your process there? Not really. Um, I don't have to because it's more like I say no than I say, oh, I need another show. You know, so up to a, like a week ago, I was also the marketing and communications director for another company that actually has, I do constant contact work for, which is uh, the Highland Center for Natural History, which is our nature center up here. And it's a beautiful nature center. And for many years, I've been there marketing communications guy. And um, so I've done my concerts in around my work too. So it's been a lot. I'm not doing that anymore. I've left that so I can just devote my time to doing shows. But, you know, it's, again, you don't want to wear out your audience. And so I basically do as many shows as I think I can. So it's not so much as setting goals like I need to do more or less. It's more like, what new things can I bring? Like, how can I, like, the, uh, this new venue just got built in Prescott Valley, which is next to Prescott. It's kind of, you know, this is called the Quad Cities areas, Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley, and Dewey Humboldt. <laughs> they call it the Quad Cities. And Prescott Valley is a very commercial. A lot of businesses there. The Walmarts are there. They're big surprise, you know. But they just have that where the event center is, where you would go watch the rodeo and big shows. And they just built a 150-seat family theater there. Friends of mine built it, who I've known for many, many years. And but they have no idea how to market. I mean, they're clueless. It's almost sad. It's, it's sad. I'm helping them out. So I did my show, my Tom Chapin show. I'm bringing a couple of others because I wanted to see this theater succeed. So my goal going forward now is to help this theater become a successful venue. And um, 
just started doing shows at the rodeo grounds and I've never done a show at our rodeo grounds. So now let's see what that's like, bringing this some bluegrass music to the rodeo grounds. But keeping it interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. And this area, you know, where we are, I don't know if you're familiar with this area. Not too much, no. It's called the Central Highlands. And it's not only is it beautiful, I mean, physically very beautiful, but it's fairly affluent. And especially now with all the California and Phoenix folks moving in, it's become even more affluent. And so what I do because my ticket prices aren't low, they're pretty high. It works for me because I have an audience that can afford it, yeah. That can buy tickets to my shows and things. So what I want to do is see a few of these newer venues be able to become hospitable to live concerts that normally haven't. You know, I've done probably shows in about at least a dozen places in town that normally don't have live music in them that I started. Now they're music venues because I did the first shows there. So there's two new ones that I'm trying to kind of now start to. Uh, bring stuff into and see if we can create another, you know, we need a 150 seat venue in this town. It would be really nice. What's a typical day look like for you? Well, now these days, now that I'm not doing, you know, my Highland Center work, I get up early, I'm an early riser and um, I check all my emails to see if my, any tickets sold, <laughs> you know, and see what updates I have to do on my shows to see what agents have gotten back to me. Because right now I'm at a place where I'm putting together my summer. My fall season ends March 25th. I'm taking April off, going traveling, need a month off. <laughs> and now I'm starting to put together May, June, July, and August. And so we have three really good shows right now in bubbling. And so it's kind of taking the next step. And Eric Anderson, the great folky Eric Anderson, um, Jackson Brown's younger brother, Severin Brown, who's really good. And uh, this, this Nashville artist who I really like. So we're looking at bringing these artists and getting the date scene. You know, that's kind of what I'm doing. You know, at this point, you know, I like space. I like sitting in my beautiful, I live on two and a half acres and it's gorgeous. Sitting in the sun with a good book, taking some time, you know, and then getting back into it. You know, I do every day, you know, when you do it like a shows like I have right now, four shows that are live, one sold out. So I don't have to worry about that one. So I have three shows that I'm selling tickets for right now so every day i further you know them a little bit whether it's releasing a new video from you know one of them on facebook doing a little you know facebook ad behind the back i send out my uh e-blast once a week i send out an e-blast and i might send out a targeted one a second time to select groups if it's a select artist like a cowboy artist or something but yeah just kind of keeping it out there keeping in, in touch with uh my friends making sure they know what we're doing and my sound guys alive <laughs> <laughs> so i was gonna say the uh obviously the radio show must have been a huge proponent of this right so like did you say you're doing a podcast now to like i'm still doing some podcasts but i have to tell you that it's been about a little over about a year and a half since the radio show ended i miss it every single day i was gonna say that's gonna be rough right like that was so much fun yeah boy was that fun but it also allows you to promote these things right like so that's got to be a little bit different for you now right Oh, yeah. Because, you know, yeah, just, every artist I have, I have them create me a little 20 second audio promo that I have on my show. And, but I still get them to do videos now. And I just, my Facebook, you know, is large. I have a large following on Facebook. And on my constant contact list is five and a half thousand folks in this little area. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I still send out, do my podcast. I always send out. And I think that's one of the reasons I get a lot of people look up my stuff is every e-blast has one or two videos in it. It has a podcast in it. It has some, you know, there's stuff to interact with. It's not just text, 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 bye, 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 text, text, text. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff in it too. 
Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about what's your approach with the marketing then. Yeah. Like how do you kind of come up with a plan and strategy to do that? Well, one of the fortunate things is, is I'm a graphic designer. So all my graphics, everything I do are really nice. So it's not, I create, you know, for every show that comes in, I create all the different levels of graphics. I create the ad, I create the poster, I create the Facebook banner. I create, you know, there's like eight different ways, but I can do that on myself. So I don't have to hire a designer or have one thing that, you know, I can do them all. So I'm constantly creating new feelings of the thing. If I, you know, new quotes, new, not necessarily new photos. I like to stay with the main photo I have. So I don't want to confuse people. I find they, you know, they're confused enough. One good photo, <laughs> that's all they need to see. And they are going to know. But I can change quotes. I can create new videos. Like every time I'm going to send you something on, say, this artist, it'll be a different video in it. It won't be the same video I sent you last week. And I'll kind of try to kind of theme them a little different. So it's not like, oh, this guy, this artist again, you know, I try to combine it with, say I'm doing four shows, each one I'll feature one of the artists. So if you're into bluegrass, you'll open it to see the bluegrass guy, but then I'll also have my folky and my cowboy guy in there. Gotcha. Or if you're into the cowboy guy, you'll open it, then you'll see my bluegrass, you know. And I keep it interesting. I keep it entertaining and not long, you know, and, and the design style is very, it's good. So people tend to at least open it and see what's going on and look at a video and, do you do any, uh, just like in terms of like, let's say like social, right? So obviously you mentioned Facebook. Is is Facebook the only platform you're really focused on from a social standpoint? Twitter. Twitter as well? Okay, cool. Yeah. Like what do you do to create content for those channels? Is it just kind of replicating the things you're already doing in the email or do you do interviews? I do interviews. What, what we like to do is um, I get every artist, especially the bigger ones. Like we just did the uh, guitar god, Albert Lee. And uh, he's like an incredible guitarist. He's like, Eric Cotton calls him the best guitarist in the world. That's how good he is. That's pretty good. <laughs> good recommendation there, right? <laughs> yeah. So I got him to create me a little 20-second video. Hi, I'm Albert Lee. And he's, <laughs> you know, and then I put that all over the place, you know, things like that. You know, some people, if they're not super well-known, I'll just give me a 20-second audio and they're saying, hi, we're coming up, we're looking, you know, kind of. So not everybody gets into you, but most do because they want to promote their show too. Because Sure, yeah. You know, I set up my deals with as a back end, so it behooves them to help me sell their tickets. And uh, so I just try to change it up a lot, you know, especially the artists I deal with. They have usually a pretty good repertoire of YouTube videos and into things they've done. So if I just keep changing them, you know, so you know, there's always something new you can say, oh, yeah, or an interview. I have a, like on my podcast, I have a SoundCloud channel. So I have my own channel. So I put that out and you go there. And I have one of my playlists is called Artists of Note with my interviews with famous musicians. Oh, cool. And, you know, so I'll set those kind of as much as I can, like I'm interviewing AJ Lee, who's the Bluegrass Molly Tuttle's uh, stepsister. Molly Tuttle just won Best Bluegrass Artist Grammy last week. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm playing on that a lot. <laughs> Molly Tuttle's stepsister. <laughs> What's the name of the podcast? It's called Artists of Note. It's just the Folk Sessions channel. It's, oh, it's the Folk Okay, gotcha. Folk Sessions channel. Got it. Yeah, it's nice. And I have a bunch of different playlists on there. Got it. Like I put playlists together for every holiday, like over Valentine's Day, I shout out like two different playlists of Valentine's song. It's so one hour. Of I'm curious as to, you know, obviously your live event industry, right? Like 2020 comes along, lockdown. What was that like for you? That was intense. In fact... I had this wonderful band called Acoustic Eidolon. In fact, you can see them up there with the cello and a yep. wonderful band. We're playing at the, in a venue and it's the day they're coming into town. I get a call from the venue. 
saying we have to close down. One of our staff just came down with COVID. Oh. We're shutting the venue down. All the concerts are being canceled. Yeah. I called Joe and Hannah. They're just checking into their hotel room. As a, and they're standing there and Joe turns around and goes, that's Tom canceling the gig. And I, me canceling the gig. And so I had to cancel my shows. My summer shows, fortunately, were outdoors. So we were able to do them. But normally seats 120, we can seat 50. <laughs> so we had to do two shows, which makes for a really long day. And the main thing how it affected me was there was two theaters that were just going to open bringing in like Del McCurry, some big artists, and they were hiring me to do their marketing for them. And they canceled. So two of these big partners, I was just, I love partnerships. That's one of the things that I most like to create is partnerships. So we, you know, I do part of it, you do part of it. You take on the financial responsibility, I'll take on the marketing responsibility. So I have, besides my own company, I have several partnerships that I do with other promoters who bring in artists who do fundraisers and things. And so two really good partnerships got canceled. So that, you know, and then eventually we started being able to go live again. But even now, you know, I talk to a lot of other people do what I do, a lot of other promoters. And a lot of folks are noticing in touring musicians is still a drop. Really? Yeah. But it's an interesting drop is because people are still going out, but they're being much more selective on what they're seeing. That's why in a sense, tribute shows are doing really great right now, as opposed to live new music because people are like, I just want to see something I like. I know their songs. I can sing along and it makes me feel good. Yeah. And, you know, we're still seeing that, you know, when I do an artist that people know I sell it out like this, but when I do a new artist, I'm having to work a little harder than I used to. Yeah. My wife and I are, are big in live music. And so we're always trying to see, but so I, I get right. It's like, I get that. It's like, yeah, if you're going to go out to do that, you want to make sure that it's going to be worth doing it, I guess. Right. That's interesting. I want to talk a little bit about just constant. How'd you end up with constant contact? What brought you to constant contact? How did I end up? I, boy, so long ago. I mean, what were the choices? MailChimp and constant contact at the time. <laughs> and I think we actually started, like I mentioned, I have a graphic business besides doing concerts, Garden Mountain Graphics. My wife and I have been in LA. We had Agostino Marketing and Design and we did, did for casinos and we did large graphics. And we moved here. We still kept our graphic company. And I, I think we originally started Constant Contact for our graphics company. Okay. But very soon, if I, because I, I looked at it, we had to find my uh, username. <laughs> <for some. laughs> and I looked, and it was Krista A, which is my wife. And I was her, her graphics. I guess, you know, Krista has gotten my graphics. It's her company. So we initially started for our graphics company, but very soon I stole it for my music company. And I've been using it. Gosh, I don't know how many is, but for a really long time, I think I went through and it was like, it goes back, you know, I looked at my, uh, way long time ago. <laughs> and for me, again, for what I do, it's such a good way to, because you can share videos, you can share audio, you can share those interviews, photos, you know, and I mentioned to you, you know, the artists I click on have to have really good photos. So you share some of these photos, you do photo montages, little slideshows, or, you know, I do an interview and put them on my SoundCloud channel. And so I import it into it. You can put lots of things into, into constant contact. And I always have a video or two in there good quotes, a whole thing, you know, and, and again, I'm a designer. So to design format, some of the templates I kind of take on and I have made it my own. Sure. Yeah. And now you guys have gotten a lot more into active, you know, it's like, which is, helps me a lot too. So yeah. Adding the motion in there and stuff. Yeah. 
And I just find, you know, it just works. You know, like I said, I sent out a, it's really funny too. And the other thing that's changed in marketing, and I'm sure you know this, it used to be, oh, you can't send out too many things to people. Oh, you got it once a month. Oh. And I, are you kidding? I, I do once a week and I think I'm a slacker, you know? <laughs> Because people can choose to get it, open it or not. You know, from anything I'm part of, I get every day I'm getting things from every travel group, you know, that I do. So I do once a week and I'll, and then I'll do a, a, a resend three days later if they, you know, too. And then I tar- do little side things maybe in there if I feel it's important, something I want people to know, something just happens. But I'll segment those. I'll do once a week to everybody on my list, but then I'll do... You know, I have my list, you know, broken into about 20 different things. And I'll just, these three will get this one, these two will get that one. What would you say is your favorite constant contact feature? Ah, it's just so easy to click on a link and go to my website and buy a ticket. Bam, you're there. You know, it's just, there's no steps and it's very clean, you know, very clean. And I used to not like your spacing. There used to be too much, but now with this new thing, I can create the spacing. My adjust that the way you want to, yeah. Yeah, so now I'm, that, so I'm, now I'm fine with that. The spacing is the problem. I love that. <laughs> and I also like the social media connection too. I do a thing and bam, and oh, okay. So you're using that too? Oh yeah. I mean, that's the easiest thing you do it. And, and again, I'm part of one of the things I've been able to do because I represent all these other groups. Is I'm also like an admin person on at least five different Facebook pages. So when I share it, I share it to all those, you know, so. Got it. Yeah. What would be your number one tip for maybe a, somebody in a similar situation as yours doing the same thing for using constant contact? The main thing is I'm working with some people is you have to get their information of people. You know, once you have it and you put it in there and it's, and you can talk, you can segment it. And again, most people, you know, it's like they don't get into the, like some of the deeper things. And I don't, you know, I, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things Constant Contact does that I don't even remotely know about. You know, in fact, when I was researching this podcast, I saw all these little podcasts, how to market a little better, how to do this. You know, there's like some, there's like, if you go to Constant Contacts, you know, yeah. there's like 37 things you can look at that tell you how to do your work better. So... I would say if you're just starting this, look at that stuff, <laughs> read it, look at these videos, learn. These people know what they're talking about and they wouldn't be doing this if it didn't help you. So take advantage of the tools, you know, take advantage of the tips that people say, hey, you can go, your, how do you grow your mailing list? Most people haven't a clue. They don't know how to grow a mailing list. They don't know where they get people from. So take advantage of the tools that are offered to you. I mean, you know, once you get in design, it's just your ability to kind of make things look pretty and that's up to you and your color standards and, you know, you have to figure that part out. But I would say the most thing is use the tools that are there. You know, you guys have created a huge amount of help if you want to learn how to market and sell your product. You know, use them. Don't just go, oh. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Anything else you'd like to add? Well, you know, 20 years doing this, you know, and again, I came into it from a very odd place of doing, you know, being a circus boy and uh, <laughs> and doing these Chinese shows more. And But the love of getting out there and putting things together, you know, just seeing like, you know, I used to be, I, I just watched the Super Bowl a couple of days ago and I turned to my wife and said, remember when I had a, my dream was to put on the Super Bowl halftime show, you know, and when I lived in LA, because I did the Fiesta Broadway, which is 75,000 people that in, on downtown LA. I put that on once, you know, so I've done huge events, you know, and she looked at me and laughed. He said, yeah, and, and now these days, 
I like keeping it in what I know I can control, that I've been able to do the folk sessions for 20 years. I've maybe in 20 years of doing over 200, 300 concerts, I've maybe done three that weren't successful in terms of at least breaking even things because I've not tried to be more than I am. You know, and I think to anybody who starts something, it is so easy to almost dream bigger than it needs to be. Need think it has to be more than it really has to be. And so to me, the most important thing is know yourself, know what you can do, know what you're going to be happy doing, know what you're going to enjoy your life doing. And you don't want to just be 24 hours a day stressing because this isn't working and waking up at three every morning going, what do I need to do tomorrow? Figure out your lane, figure out what you're good at and what you can do that works, that makes you happy, that obviously brings you enough money that you're not, you know, that makes it worthwhile to be doing it. But just keep inside of that place where you're, that's you, you know, keep inside of your lane and your, what you can do and to make your life and make yourself happy. Because especially what I do, if I'm doing concerts and I'm stressed out and people come in the door and I'm a, they come in the door and I'm smiling, I'm happy because I have a full house and it's incredible music and I know they're going to leave and they're going to thank me, walk out the door. And it gets bigger than that, then it's no fun. Well, friend, let's recap a few items from that discussion. Number one, it's all about people knowing, liking, and trusting you. Your actions and the results you deliver allow you to build the reputation that ultimately determines your overall success. Remember, you may need to share some education freely in order to start building that reputation. Number two, the best audience you have are the people you know. They know what you do. They tell their friends and they support you. This is why your opt-in marketing channels like email and text work so well. Go to that well first. And number three, focus on product market fit. Knowing your customer and providing a product or service that's right for them is also key to your success. If you're marketing to a group that can't afford your offering, you're not really going to make much progress, nor is your business going to last very long. So here's an action item for you today, friend. Establish some decision-making shortcuts. Set up a system that allows you to quickly decide yes or no. With the right guardrails in place, you won't get tied up wondering if you should or should not do something. Look, you're not always going to be right, but you will be moving forward. And with the right guidelines, you'll be right more times than you're wrong. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Be A Marketer podcast. If you have questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me directly at dave.charest at constantcontact.com. If you did enjoy today's episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. Your honest feedback will help other small business marketers like yourself find the show. Well, friend, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and continued success to you and your business. Mm-hmm.